Hello and welcome to episode 131 of the Massive Attack Podcast. I am Joe, and with me as always is Mitch. Good. And we are continuing with our A to Z. We have got to the letter R, and before anyone complains that we're going to do something that's not the letter R, it is the letter R, R. and we're standing by it. So yes. there was a few things we could have done. We were thinking about doing Kurt Russell, but then we thought we've probably talked about the best Kurt Russell film ever, and that's Escape from New York last time we did the A to Z. So this episode, we are looking at professional wrestler, actor, all-round icon, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yes, R for Rowdy. Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yes. Not P for Piper. No, no, no. And Rowdy Roddy Piper. Anyway, when I was a young kid back in the 80s, and I first got into wrestling, one of the first wrestlers that really piqued my interest in the entertainment side of professional wrestling was Rowdy Roddy Piper. And since then, he's always been one of my favorites. I would go as far as saying he's probably been my favorite heel or bad guy if you're not a wrestling fan. So he's one of those people that has always meant something to me over his career. And he has had a pretty long career, I guess. Unfortunately, he's no longer with us. He did pass away... Was it 2016? So a couple of years ago now? Yep. Which, again, it's one of those celebrity deaths that did hit me quite hard because, yeah, he'd always been around and he'd always been a part of my wrestling fandom, I guess. Yeah, same for me. Like, he's a, he's a wrestler I remember from when I got into wrestling. And, yeah, so WWF back then was the only wrestling I really knew about. I didn't know there were any others. It was on TV here, I think, on a Friday night. And that was during the first WrestleMania days, back in those days. And and he he headlined that very first WrestleMania. So, therefore, he was the second biggest person on the card, as far as I was aware. He was a big deal. I didn't, like I said, I didn't know anything else about wrestling at the time. But, you know, reading up about him now. Rowdy Roddy Piper, who's actually Roderick Toombs from Glasgow, Scotland. Well, Rowdy Roddy Piper's from Glasgow, Scotland. But um, Roderick Toombs is actually from Manitoba, isn't he? In Canada. So... Well, he, he was born in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. That's right. I can't even pronounce that properly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, very much a, a Canadian rather than being a Scottish person. In fact, I don't even think his parents were Scottish. So I, I don't really know where he got the whole Scottish gimmick I think from, there but... was Scottish in his heritage, but yeah, he's um, very Canadian, if anything. And even so much, he's a second cousin, according to him and Brett, of the Hart family. Yeah, well, exactly. Him and Brett were friends from you know, very long ago in, in his career because pretty much anyone that's ever wrestled that's Canadian has spent some sort of time in the Hearts Stampede wrestling in in Calgary. But yeah, Ruddy and Brett were were friends and over the course of their career, they've you know, stayed close. And apparently in Bret Hart's book, I think he says when Bret had his stroke, Roddy was the only other wrestler that came to visit him in the hospital. Yeah. So yeah, whether that's true or not. Why would you lie about that? Well, exactly. You can lie about lots of other things. Yeah, well, that's true. Mm. He got kicked out of school at a young age for carrying a flick knife or a, a, a pocket knife. Or switchblade, as they call it in America. Yeah. And he yeah, sort of left home, had a falling out with his cop dad and sort of hit the rails, not with a bindle or anything, but he left and became a wrestler. He was a bit of a fighter by the sound of it, a bit hard, a bit well hard. And yeah, took up wrestling, Got became a um, sort of a gopher and a runaround for some fighting, learned some judo, all that sort of shit. And at the age of, what, 15, was essentially get, getting matches at a very young age. So he's been doing this for a very long time. Being a jobber basically when he started so a jobber for those people that aren't wrestling fans we're probably going to use a lot of wrestling terminology in this episode but yeah he was he was the sort of person that got put in there with a star and made the star look good and ended up losing the match but yeah he was 15 when he started there's 
talk that he he had a bit of a amateur boxing career early on as well, but I'm not sure if that's actually true, but he did kind of work on that gimmick later in his career. But yeah, for me, I think it was probably just before WrestleMania 1 when I first started watching wrestling. So that was sort of around 1984. And as you said, he headlined WrestleMania. So the main event for WrestleMania was Mr. T and Hulk Hogan versus Rowdy Roddy Piper and Mr. Wonderful Paul Ondorf, who just died a couple of weeks ago or a couple of months ago now. But, you know, as a kid, they were larger than life characters. Obviously, Hogan's a giant compared to normal humans. But, and Mr. T was... You know, massive in the 80s because of the A-team. So to throw those two in the ring with your number one bad guy in Roddy Piper, who was a talker, he could work, he just had this character about him. And, you know, Paul Ondorf was a muscle man bodybuilder that could work pretty well as well. So it was, you know, how old would I have been? 13 when I first saw WrestleMania. So it was a big deal for me. And it probably did, you know, cement the idea that I was going to be a wrestling fan for a very long time from that. But yeah, prior to WrestleMania, he actually came into the WWF in those days before they changed to WWE. And as you said, he'd had a career in other wrestling. But as kids, the only thing we knew was WWF. But he'd actually had a pretty famous dog collar match with Greg the Hammer Valentine for another federation. And during that match, he'd been hit in the ear with the dog collar or with with the chain and had a perforated eardrum. And when he first got signed with WWF, he couldn't actually wrestle. He was injured so they decided to throw him in as a manager for a little while so he was managing dr d david schultz who is famous for slapping around john stossel then the the tv reporter that asked him if wrestling was fake so he he proved to him that wrestling wasn't fake by and while he was injured was when they came up with the idea that they needed to do something with him and they created the piper's pit segment now people that don't know piper himself piper's pit is the archetype of the wrestling talk show so it's a section or a segment on the tv show where piper does an interview and he's got his own little set with his tartan and his you know his bodyguard cowboy bob orton behind him and they would just interview a wrestler a lot of the time it would be piper being the bad guy interviewing a good guy and just stirring him up a little bit. And from then on, nearly every wrestling show after that has kind of molded in a bit of that. Had a version of, yeah. Yeah, has used that sort of talk show segment that Piper pretty much pioneered. And they used it as a place to move stories, storylines along. So I remember when Mean Gene Oakland died a few years ago, you saw these eulogies for him and you saw like clips on YouTube and that where they sort of showed his classic moments and all these massive moments in wrestling history. Gene was there. He was the guy holding the mic and it was such a, he was yeah, so important definitely. to so many moments. And the same with Piper's Pit because they used this segment in the show to move storylines along without a match itself, you know, you'll have an interview with someone and then someone might come in and then they'll have an argument of the mic and he'll be the intermediary essentially and yeah so some of those early iconic moments of my history was yeah involving that piper's pit segment yeah so when you talk about iconic moments the whole andre the giant turning heel and challenging hulk hogan which led to the main event at wrestlemania 3 that happened at Piper's Pit. I can still remember that as a kid when Andre grabbed Hogan and ripped his shirt and, and ripped his chain with the crucifix. And it, it was real to me back then, damn it. It was a really big thing. But even before the first WrestleMania, one of the, the first big icon moments of Piper's career was when he hit Jimmy Superfly Snooker over the head coconut. with a, a coconut. And, and apparently just reading up on that today, that was actually Jimmy Snooker's idea. And, and he said to Piper, you know, my head's hard enough. Hit me with his coconut for real and we'll just, you know, make it look good. 
because they talked about working the coconut, you know, sort of break easier. And he goes, nah, just just don't want to talk fake. Do it properly. Just hit me. So like, okay. But yet some of the other things that Piper's done over his career, which is, you know, he had a very long career in, in WWF. So sort of around the 80s when he came in prior to WrestleMania, he had a lot of what people like to refer to as WrestleMania moments. So some of the real standouts for me and things that probably wouldn't work now is he had his a career ending match with Adrian Adonis where he got to bring Brutus the Barber Beefcake in to, to shave Adonis's head because Piper pretty much said if he couldn't beat Adonis, he, he'd retire. And if he did win, he gets to give him a haircut sort of thing. So that that was quite a big deal. And then a few years after that, he had another big match at WrestleMania where he fought an African-American dude by the name of Bad News Brown and something that would definitely not stand up today. Piper actually came down to the ring half in, well, not just black face, but half of his body painted black. And it's something you look at now and think to yourself, even in the 80s, that probably wasn't culturally sensitive. But it was one of those things that it was just Piper. Yes, I mean, that blackface was weird. I think he was saying it was trying to unify and not see colour and all that. And I don't know if that was him talking shit because he's very good at it. Because something that Roddy was... Besides being a legit tough guy, he could play the bagpipes. That's where he got the name from. Like when he first debuted wrestling, he came out. I forget which name he was going under, but the announcer didn't know his name. But his school friends came out and they all played the bagpipes with him. And he came out to the bagpipe tune. And he he knew his name was Roddy, so he just called him Roddy Piper and the name stuck. That's where it came from. So he's iconic and he came out wearing a kilt. He's got the bagpipe music when he comes out. But something he was famous for is being a bad guy. Like he was a great heel. One of the, if not the best heels out there. And he would rile up fans. They will get very, very angry. Now with this Bad News Brown blackface black body segment that he did, obviously he was going for a reaction. And that's what you do as a heel. I mean, you are, baby faces are there to be liked and the crowd go for them. And the heels are there to be booed and you need a good heel to make a good face work and he was fantastic that's why hogan's as good as he is that's why all that because of the heels you work with but he was so good at it and a lot of people say he's the best like bobby the brain and people like that even melts from that talk about him up as as being up there in top five heels of all time and he's so good at it that he's even been stabbed three times so yeah Yeah. that's because those are the days you listen to someone like the old people who talk about the history of wrestling like a jim Cornette and stuff like that and you hear about the the risks these guys go through you know you couldn't take your car to the car you know the the event or if you did you left it there so no one saw you get in it because no you don't want the fans to see what your car looks like if you're a heel because they'll destroy it and you just had to watch your back because you you're always on edge because you're walking down i mean now you've got security guards you've got the rails are pretty big the aisleways to walk to the rings pretty huge back in the day there was no barriers you walked in between the chairs so you were very exposed but that didn't stop some of these heels these guys and this is back in the day a kayfabe as well in modern times you know wrestling is well known to be predetermined they know it's sports entertainment and all these sort of things. But he came from the 70s, yep. you know, that he he grew up learning from the guys from the 60s, you know, when kayfabe was king. Like even up until the 90s, I suppose, kayfabe was still the main gist of wrestling where you do not admit that it's not real. No, even sort of early 80s was in the days when, you know, if someone turned up at a, a, a gym and wanting to train wrestling, they would get in there and, you know, break their arms or break their legs to show them that wrestling was tough and see if they had the guts to come back. Yeah. So so he's he's yeah, from that obviously time. Obviously that doesn't happen now. No. And and they 
you know, he, he pushed the limit like, like all the good heels did. Got the crowd riled up and that means you did your job and you got more work because you got paid per gig, really. There were no real contracts back then. So the more you could draw the crowd, the more in demand you'd be, the more you could charge and the more work you'd get. He was really good. And like you said, you could almost say he wasn't past it. He was, what, 32 when he went to the WWF? And like you said, he was injured. So he came in as a manager and commentator. And, yeah. you know, it just quickly blossomed out to be a wrestling career, which involved a couple of title runs, but he's not known for his titles, really. Well, I don't think he ever won a world no. title, but he definitely held the Intercontinental title for a while. Uh, he beat uh, the Mountie, who's another great character, and lost it at WrestleMania 7, I think it was, to Bret Hart. And he actually, when they mentioned that Bret Hart was going to get the the push, which in wrestling is, you know, they're going to you know give someone the title and make them a star. Roddy basically said, look, I'm quite happy to drop the belt to Bret and start him on his way sort of thing. So that intercontinental title match between Roddy Piper and Bret Hart at WrestleMania is still one of my favorite matches. And the thing with, with wrestling as well, good guys lose by someone cheating, the bad guy cheating, and bad guys, generally they will lose clean to a good guy at the end of a storyline, but they generally don't lose or they'll cheat their way out of things. That, that's the way wrestling sort of works, to get the crowd up and going. And yeah, for the title to exchange from from Roddy to Brett. It was actually one of the few times that he actually had a clean pin in the middle of the ring, mm. which is, um, yeah, to have that sort of clout and power to be that sort of wrestler. And obviously being related to Brett and friends, you know, he, you know, it's good to see when they do pass the torch legit on to yeah, the, exactly. next, the next generation. So that was really good. Yes. So in between there, he sort of left wrestling for a little while and got into movies, but we'll probably talk about that in a little while. But... After he had done some movies and he'd had a couple of injuries and he came back in the, the early 90s and WrestleMania 10 was a bit of a standout because he came back as the guest referee in the title match where Bret Hart won the world title against Yokozuna. But it was the next year at WrestleMania 11 that probably is one of the standouts for me for Roddy's career. And that's when he was feuding with Goldust and he had the infamous Hollywood backlot brawl. And this is when I got back into wrestling. So this was oh, probably about a year after I got back in. So I missed the whole period after he left, essentially. So maybe that's maybe that's why I got out. Roddy went and I went. But yeah, I got back in about a year before. And Goldust was a character that I did, I did enjoy, but I was a bit intrigued. This, this was the 90s. This was when it, what they called yeah. the Attitude Era, when wrestling seemed very kiddie when I grew up. We, I grew up out of it, and then it seemed to grow up a little bit while I was gone. And then it definitely hit my age group again. So they were doing a lot more harder-edged storylines, a lot more sexually charged and violently charged and all this sort of stuff, instead of just the kiddie stuff that was going on. And they brought out a character called Goldust, who was dressed in gold lame, gold face paint, and, a, and he'd wear a lo long platinum wig, and he'd quote movies and just have a weird voice and was androgynous, I think that was the term they were using at the time, but he was sort of predatorially lusting after some of the guys and things like that. It was quite... It was quite confronting, I suppose, especially it, to a it was an out there audience. Yeah, and he ended up having the title, and Roddy came back for this feud with with Goldust, and they did a Hollywood backlot brawl because Goldust was this Hollywood themed character. So it was in Los Angeles, the WrestleMania, and so they had a match in 
in in literally a back lot in one of the Hollywood studios. And then the fight sort of took place, so it wasn't in the stadium itself. But I didn't it got to a point where Goldust got in his car and ran over? Did he run into him? Well, before that, so they played on the fact that it was only a couple of years after the O.J. Simpson stuff. So they did a bit where Goldust was or actually Piper escaped from the fight or something in a Ford Bronco and then they used the O.J. Simpson footage of the Bronco in the slow speed chase down the freeway to kind of make it look like yeah. it was and the Piper in the car. Ended up but then, back yeah, at the st- it, it ended back at the back at the back lot and Goldust has his had his big gold Cadillac. And actually it was WrestleMania twelve, not WrestleMania eleven. So nineteen ninety six this is. And Goldust, as you said, had been around for a couple of years and it was quite a big thing for Goldust to be having this fight with a legend of the sport. And it was really a fight. So they started wrestling, they did their theatrical car chase stuff, and they ended up being almost like a cinematic fight scene where they they fought in the car park or in the back lot of the, the movie set. And I can remember watching it as a kid, or not really as a kid then in the 90s, but watching it as you know a younger person, thinking that it was pretty stiff some of the punches and i think piper actually did legitimately either break his nose or something when he punched gold dust in the face but the highlight for a lot of people of the match was where the end came and piper decided that he would strip gold dust of his gold jumpsuit and gold dust was wearing like suspenders and a bra and women's lingerie underneath and ironically i can remember when we were watching this together we were like oh that's it this is the end of the end of goddess what can you do after this because the crowd hated him like he was a heel yeah and then you expose him as this i guess cross-dresser in in a way i don't know what the storyline was like it was embarrassing him obviously that was the storyline that they were playing out you know the crowd all laughed and booed because piper won you know they it showed him, but he did. He had. He's still going today, not as Goldust, but Dustin Reynolds, who's a fantastic worker. He kept that Goldust character going for ages and reinvented himself quite a few times, very yeah. cleverly and entertainingly. And he was, he, yeah. So those two are actually two, two, two of my favorite wrestlers. Mm. Yeah. So he had a few gigs there, and this was the nineties that we were talking about. So that's when the Attitude Era of the WWF was at its highest and growing. And also, you had the Monday Night Wars. So WCW, which is the rival company, which was you know for its period there was bigger than the WWF. They would go back and forth on who was more popular. And the thing with the NWO, which was Hulk Hogan and Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, they had a they formed a faction and then became the biggest thing in wrestling for a while there. And yeah. It was amazing because I remember back then, this is how we sort of became friends was through wrestling and yes. watching it at the Prince Pat Hotel, which I think is where we watched WrestleMania. Yeah, it would have been. Mm. And it was funny back then because you had two major companies and all these wrestlers and they'd be like, you just read the news every day. They'd be like, oh, this person just signed a contract with this company. Someone got fired, so they're going over to this. And they'd be jumping ship all this time. The storylines in the wrestling was really good. But also behind the scenes, the real life stories were just as big with sad, sadly people dying or people jumping ship and getting contracts with other companies or going, I'm going to this company now, I'm going to this company. So um, yeah. it was fascinating. Like, yeah. Literally every day there was something new. Because hmm. WWF had been winning the rating. I think they were even WWE by that stage. But they were winning the ratings on TV. They were doing everything right. And WCW was like, the poor second cousin. But then Ted Turner, who was behind, you know, CNN and Turner Network, decided that 
he was a bit of a wrestling fan. He would go and buy the company and he used all his multi-millions to go and sign up a lot of ex-WWF stars and bring them back. So Hogan came back originally as a good guy, but then when the NWO came along, Hogan turned and became Hollywood Hulk Hogan as a, as a heel. And that's when Roddy came back to WCW as a face and they kind of feuded again, but with the roles reversed. So Hogan being the bad guy, Piper being the good guy. I don't know, but um, for me... Piper's time in WCW wasn't quite as good as his time in WWE. He was I think. also ten years older. Like well, exactly. he came in, he came he, in, and he had the t-shirt thing because I he's iconic for having that either the Panther t-shirt, like he would come out in the kilt and the Panther t-shirt, or his famous Hot Rod t-shirt, which I've got a couple of, which is just a white white with red ringer tee with the Hot Rod logo on it. But he came back for WCW, and everyone it was all about the t-shirts at that point. NWO t-shirts was huge. And the Austin 316 T-shirt was huge. So it was all about the merch. Yeah, you couldn't go to Sunshine Markets without seeing one. Knockoffs, yeah. So, <laughs> and I remember, you know, he was trying to do all that sort of stuff and he had the Icon T-shirt and Reality Check and, and all yeah. this sort of stuff. And, yeah, he was an Icon. And they bought that back and they bought Ted DiBiase and a bunch of people with the NWO. And it was all this nostalgia. Having a, it was a, They were trying to kick WWE in the teeth by getting all these talent. We got Rick Rude. We've got Hollywood Hogan. We've got... You know, National Hall. And it sort of went a bit far and they got, you know, Ultimate Warrior at one point, but they were all past it. You know, there was a, there was very few that were like in their prime they got. They were all old. There was a reason Hogan, you know, he was, he was an icon and he was past it. Like um, Vince got rid of him because he couldn't, he, he, he moved on. Yeah. And they, they did well by having Hogan there. But so, it, yeah, it wasn't as good as back in his run, but he wasn't also in his prime. But he could still cut a promo, and it was still good to watch and to see him. But it was also kind of sad to sort of these guys go, eh, you used to be better. But mind you, yeah. saying that, I think, what, 92, him and Flair had some bang-up matches, and it was only four, what, six years later, five years later? So yeah. it, just, it takes its toll, though. Like, he had been wrestling for 20 years by this point, and his hip was gone. Didn't he have a fake hip by that point? Yeah, he'd, he'd had a hip replacement by that stage. So, yeah. Yeah. so you know, he, he was never going to be as good. You know, he, he had he had a run. He did really well. He's been in what three eras of wrestling, I suppose, if you want to put it in decades as eras. Or, but he's definitely had his time, and he definitely climbed to the top in most of those eras. And he's done really well for himself, and he's well remembered and well loved as as hmm. an icon of the sport. Which yeah, because after WC, WCW folded, he sort of bounced around and did a few other things for a while. But he came back to WWE in a manager role and he was sort of pretty prominent for a little while in the early 2000s, but never the big star that he was in the 80s. And ironically, like the 80s was the time of the giants in wrestling. Everyone was like these huge muscle men, but Piper was never a a big muscly dude. He got by on the fact that he was a really good worker and he was an awesome talker. Yeah. And I think the fact that he was such a good talker made it easy for him to transition to movies. Like he never really had a breakout Hollywood success, but he had a lot of cult popular movies. And I think probably the two that were for me that would stand out would be They Live and Hell Comes to Frogtown. So I don't know if we've talked about They Live. We probably mentioned it years ago when we did an episode about wrestlers in movies, but They Live is a John Carpenter film about aliens coming down to Earth and the only people that can see them are these guys that have these special sunglasses. And 
is I always get this wrong. Is it David Keith or Keith David? Keith David. Yes. So he and Keith David are like construction workers that have this massive fight over this box of sunglasses. And in a probably, what, hour and a half movie, this fight scene is about 20 minutes of this movie. Seven but minutes, but just, yes, it's a long oh, it's, fight It feels scene. like 20 minutes. But it just like feels like they're just belting the crap out of each other over these box of sunglasses. And I can remember I saw they live at the old Valhalla Cinema in Northgate. And after they do the fight scene, they go back to their hotel and there's only one bed in the hotel. And it's like they're almost about to start the fight again. And somebody in the back of the, the, the theatre yelled out, don't start again. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But yeah, for me, They Live is still one of my favourite movies. Like not just favourite movie with a wrestler in, it's a favourite movie. And it has the iconic line that Piper apparently ad-libbed himself, that he came here to, was it Chew Bubblegum and Kick Ass and I'm all out of Bubblegum. And apparently that was just a little throwaway line that he just ad-libbed and it's become like one of the best lines in Hollywood. Yeah, I mean, he's... He's that guy. Now, I, because I, I liked Roddy. Like, normally, I, I, I know growing up as a kid watching wrestling, I liked the good guys, hated the bad guys. That's the way it worked. You know, that's, that was exactly how they tell the story. And I totally bought in because, you know, I'm a sheep. But I did like Roddy for some reason. I always liked Roddy because he was fun to watch, I suppose. And wrestlers transitioning to movies, it sort of didn't really happen that much back then. I mean, you know. Not um, starring roles. So you no, saw I mean, Hulk Hogan life. tried, but he he did. His sort of, you know, suburban commando and that sort of stuff. And we well, had did Mr. Nanny Terry and Funk was Santa in. with Muscles. So Hogan was sort of the biggest name in wrestling. He starred in movies that made it to the cinema. Like Suburban Commando is probably the biggest one. Being a wrestling fan, you know, I was sort of excited to see this happening, going, oh, he's charismatic, he's big, he's a leading man, he could do all this sort of stuff. And he never took off. Like, no one took him seriously. He was huge, Hulk Hogan. He was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. He was on talk shows. He was on Saturday Night Live as a host. He was massive, but it didn't translate. No one looked at him because uh, he made it big because he was in Rocky Three. Yes, he was a wrestler, but he looked good. And they capitalized yeah, exactly. the Rocky Three to make him a bigger star. So when he went into movies, it made sense. It's like, why wouldn't you try and capitalize that? And it never really worked. Like he made those sort of movies that I mentioned, but nothing else. Like, And, and TV-wise, he made a show, Thunder in Paradise, you know, which sort of tied in with, I think, with his WCW contract or something while he was in Florida. But, you know. He, he never transitioned further. He was a transitional star in the fact that people knew who he was. He would do talk yep. show circus. He popped up in Gremlins 2, you know, that sort of thing. That's sort of it. He never did. Where Roddy Piper, he went in and he's had quite the career in films. Like if you look at his filmography, there's there's a lot of movies there, but nothing except, I mean, they live as the one people know. And the yeah. other one I remember when it came out of the video library, because I used to love, do you remember going to the video library? And they'd have the magazine. It was a little like A5 size. And it was all the movies coming yeah. up next month. And you're looking through yes. all these sort of things. The yeah. good old days of the video library. And it's like, oh, what's this movie? What's this movie? Because not everything made to the cinema, but everything made it to video. And it was just all these science fiction movies. And it's like, oh, I'm going to see a lot of boobs in that one. It's R-rated. But that was just me. But there was Hell Comes to Frogtown starring Roddy Piper. I was like, what the hell is this thing? And it was sort of like post-apocalyptic movie about a guy called Sam Hell who's basically the world's gone impotent and he's got an, uh, he's got to work at Todger, basically. So he's important. So they need to protect him and they need his, his little little swimmers. And there's, you know, there's people, there's humans, and there's like giant frogs, which look like something out of Mario Brothers movie, really. 
Super Mario Brothers. But yes, and it, it, it's it's fun. Like Roddy gets by with his charisma. Like he's got this craziness about him where he's animated, he can lose it, he's got that crazy edge. And in it's quite interesting that in in They Live, it's very subdued. Like it's a very subdued movie. It, it drags in pacing because there's just a lot of slow stuff going on, John Carpenter's synth music going in the background and him just reacting to things. He, he doesn't fly off the handle. He does go a bit crazy later on when he figures out that there's this weird conspiracy of aliens going on, brainwashing people essentially. But um, but yeah, he, he doesn't get to fly off the handle that much. And that's sort of followed some with The Rock's career later on where he's been in a lot of movies, straight to video films. Nothing nothing yeah. major. He's not done a lot yeah, of work. sort of Scorpion King sequel and that sort of stuff. Yeah. But yeah, it took him a while to become a star. No, but Roddy... Did you know? That's it. He he started big. They live was huge. Hell comes to Frogtown. People seem to know about, so it's a bit of a cult classic. But I can rattle off a bunch of movies here. These these are films that he's been in, and I won't mention one. I'll let you talk about it later. <laughs> he's actually the first movie was in nineteen seventy eight called The One and Only. That's with Henry Winkler as a wrestler. We should watch that. Okay, I remember we watching should. that now. Yeah, so that's nineteen seventy eight. So he did that, and then he did Body Slam in. 86, which is about wrestling, obviously. How Comes to Frogtown, they live in 88. Then he just did a bunch of movies. Tag Team in 91, which was with Jesse the Body, which I should check out. Oh, that's, is that where they, wrestlers become cops? It's a TV movie, yeah. Yeah. Movie called Buy and Sell, Back in Action, No Contest, Tough and Deadly, Jungle Ground, Terminal Rush, Mark Man, Sci Fighters, First Encounter, Dead Ties, Bad Pack, Hard Time, Last to Surrender, Legless Larry and the Lipstick Lady. And he plays Legless Larry, so I do want to check that out. But there's just movies I've never heard of. Honor, Domestic Import, Costa Chica, Confession of an Exorcist. He plays Lucas McMurtoff. Shut Up and Shoot, Night Traveler, Blind Eye, Ghost of Goldfield. Like, these are movies you've never heard of. This is his life, you know? No. Pizza Man, Fancy Pants, but Greenland <laughs> Emerald Knights, which was a DC, they've been doing it for quite a while now, but they bring out a couple of animated movies every year, mostly Batman because that's what's popular, but they did bring out, sort of like the Animatrix, they bought out a, just before the Green Lantern film, they bought out an animated movie, but it was sort of a bunch of different animated cartoons, like it was Feature length, but it was different stories by different animation styles. And yeah, he he was the voice of Bolfunga in in that. So I was like, I'll have to rewatch that again because I did not know that at the time. But you know, I do remember there was a movie Pro Wrestlers versus Zombies, and I did watch that. Yeah, apart from that, he didn't really take off as the actor. He he, he went no. big early with They Live, but he just didn't get the gigs. Now whether he's hard to work with or didn't really need it, and I know, I remember when Steve Austin sort of got out of wrestling, he started making some movies. And again, he, because it was a co-production with the WWE, The Longest Yard with Adam Sandler. That movie is chock full of wrestlers. Yeah. And a lot of other know, wrestlers. Goldberg and yeah. Bob Zapps, I think, is in there. And Great Khali. That was full of it. And he's great in it because it's Austin playing Austin, basically. And then he did The Condemned with Vinnie Jones. And I was like, oh, yeah, he's, he's going places. And Austin, like like um, Roddy, is charismatic as hell. And it's just like you want to – and you, yeah. you're so used to this character that you've seen week in, week out for years. And you're going, that's what you want to see on screen. Let's see it. And, you know, they're playing a role. They're not actors. They're acting. They're not there to be Austin. They're not there to be Roddy Piper. 
And sometimes it's like, oh, that's kind of a bit dialed down for you. It's kind of boring to watch. Because I remember like with Austin, like he did those, The Condemned, which actually got a cinema release. And um, obviously he was just a bit part player in, in The Longest Yard. But then he sort of started turning up in these like leads in features. But these were straight to video equivalents and they were not good. They were cheaply made. And it's like, why is... And again, Austin was like the Hogan. He was huge. He was yeah. transitional. He was the guy who'd turn up on, you know, Conan and read jewel poetry or something like that. He he would do that. And people knew who he was, yet that didn't translate. People weren't looking for him to be the next action star, which surprised me at the time, but I'm not sure. But then listening to his podcast, which, you know, I did for a long time there, he did a lot of these movies just to get his SAG card, basically. And you got the insurance and you got all these benefits of just being in the film and keeping all that going. It's like, oh, okay. Because yeah. with wrestling, I mean, he would have made a lot of money. He was quite frugal, but he would have made a shit ton of money. So it's not like you would be looking for a dollar. But when you finish wrestling, there is no superannuation. There is no pension. No, exactly. That That's why so many wrestlers retire and then come out of retirement because they don't know anything else and they, they can't do anything else. So they, you know come back to wrestling when they probably Yeah, should. and because the, I think the health system and the medical system in America is not very good. So I think if you can get your SAG card, no. the Screen Actors Guild, I think it entitles you to a bunch of benefits. So he just goes off and does some shitty movies and just keeps that maintained just so he's got that in his back pocket, I think, from what I can gather from when he was talking about some of the movies that he made. Because there was one called, oh, I can't even remember what it's called now, but he, it was essentially The Karate Kid. And when I read the premise, it's like, this could be great. Could you imagine? Because it was a kid who was new to a school and he was being bullied. So he joined the boxing club, but the guys who was bullying him were also in the boxing club. So the janitor teaches him how to box and they have a boxing tournament at the end. It's Karate Kid, but with boxing. Austin plays the janitor at the school. It's like, this is going to be perfect. If I want Stone Cold Steve Austin to be. And you watch the movie, it's boring. It's cheaply made. It's badly acted. Austin's shaved off his moustache, but he's kept the beard, so it looks wrong. He just looks like the dude from Curiosity Show. Yeah, and he's a bit, he's subdued. He's not he's not the awesome we know and love. He doesn't do the rants. He doesn't do the double fingers. He doesn't do any of that sort of stuff. And it's like, oh, that's a shame. So it, it just was not what I expected. Because you see him in wrestling, he is the biggest name in the world. And then he goes to a movie and he's not even good enough for straight to video. And it's not that he's not good enough. It's just the movie's yes. not. And, and The Rock did the same. All these guys are getting out and becoming, you know, actors now. And Triple H tried. He's been in a couple of movies that are a bit ordinary, but they were bigger movies like Blade 3. But, you know, it didn't take. He didn't yeah. take. So Edge has gone yeah, on to a fair. couple of movies. The Rock did that, and he goes, I want to be an actor. So he did a couple of movies. Welcome to the Jungle was quite fun. And then he did things like Southland Tales and Be Cool, where he lost all the weight and tried to be an actor. He took on roles, and he tried to be an actor. And no one really cared. You know, after the Scorpion King and all that. And then it's like, okay. And then it wasn't until really Fast Five where it's like, no, fuck it. I'm the rock. <laughs> I'm the biggest guy. And he's now the biggest yeah. actor in, in the world. And that's what I... Yeah, exactly. And he's a millionaire actor. Millionaire. <laughs> Push. He's going to be... Multi-millionaire. Yeah. I mean, yes. the, the fact that I watched... He's got a TV show based on his life now with Young Rock, which I've watched. And it's quite funny that, you know, in the show, the premise is it's... 10 years in the future, The Rock's running for president. So they're interviewing The Rock and he's there talking about all this stuff. And then you get flashbacks to the things he's talking about, played by younger versions of him, you know, people playing younger versions of himself that is, this is pretty much The Rock's life. And it's like, is this you really bidding to be president in 10 years' time? Because people will vote for you. It will happen. 
It's going to happen. So that was so, so that that's what I thought the Roddy would do. You know, with these guys, because yeah. in my head there was no bigger star than Hulk Hogan and Roddy Piper, because that's who I see on TV. I don't know anything else. In the same way that I said, I thought you know the missing in action films and Rambo were on a par. There was no difference between, you know, Sylvester Stallone and Chuck Norris. They were both movie stars. They were both in movies that I watched of similar topics and they both kicked ass. So what was the difference? And the fact that Roddy didn't go Budget. on the same way. It was just weird, you know, and you've got Batista and John Cena now who are sort of like picking and choosing and doing better roles and getting their, their due. But Roddy, unfortunately, didn't quite live up to the standard that I was hoping he would. But we did get They Live and we did get the Hell Comes to Frogtown, so I cannot complain. And in 1994, we did get a Mortal Kombat, which is him and Sonny Chiba, the Japanese action Rest star. Simples. Yes, he, he recently died as well. And Meg Foster was also in the Mortal Kombat. Oh, Evil Lynn from They Live with Roddy Piper And Evil well. Lynn from Master of the Universe. Yes. But, yeah, I think... For, for me, my two standout movies for Roddy have to be They Live in a Mortal Kombat. I know you're a big fan of Hell Comes to Frogtown, yep. but for me, a Mortal Kombat covers that. It's like a, a better film in my mind. Yeah. yeah, but it's still a cheap straight-to-video movie. It's not It's not oh, a Hollywood it film. Yeah, it's not big. It's, it's, no, definitely. I don't think it even got a cinema release. But, but he also yeah, did so, some TV, but, just quickly, because, you know, he was a yeah. jobbing actor in that way. His first role, and I remember he plays a preacher man in Highwaymen, which I think we've talked about on the show before, but The Highwayman was sort of it's like Night Rider with trucks. It wasn't a talking truck, but it was this dude who drove the streets in a truck in the future and Jacko, Australia's own Jacko was in it. And The Highwaymen were these truck drivers who sort of maintained the law in the near future. It was very strange, but he was in the pilot episode of that. I do remember because I tracked down a, a copy of The Highwayman just because I wanted to watch it and I didn't realize he was in it. I was like, hey, that's Roddy. And it's funny because you see him and he's hmm. not that big a guy. Like he's big, but when you put him next to Hogan and people like that, he's not that big. But when you see him in movies or TV shows next to real people, he's actually quite, quite big. Yeah. It's just, it just shows how big wrestlers yeah. were back in the day. It's like, wow. He was on the Love Boat. One of them, going back to another episode we just did, there was the Love Boat, The Valentine Voyage, which was the TV reunion movie. He was in that. He was in Robocop, the series. Um, he was in an episode of Walker, Texas Ranger. And he was in episodes of Robot Chicken, The Man Show, The Outer Limits, Highlander, Silk Stalkings, and Adventure Time. So he's... he's hasn't stopped working or he never stopped working till he died. Yeah. In 2013, he actually came in as an episode of Storage Wars to be an expert about kilts when they found some kilts in one of their storage lockers. So they went to Roddy to, to get a valuation. Okay. Was it one of his kilts or just a kilt? <laughs> no, it was just a okay. kilt. So it was uh, an episode where Barry, who was the sort of eccentric older gentleman, decided that he would go to an expert to find out how much this kilt was worth, and Roddy was the expert on kilt values, apparently. Cool. And and the last thing I suppose that I remember with Roddy was he he started a podcast called The Piper's Pit, which I was listening to for a while, but then I realised it was getting a bit samey, and I did drop it, drop listening to it about a few months before he passed away, which is unfortunate because. I sort of felt guilty. Mm. <laughs> sort of like, oh, I could have been there till the end. But um, yeah, he, he was he was constantly around. He seemed to enjoy life. He's got a couple of children. He was with his wife his whole life, the whole married life together until he passed away. Two of the children wrestle. Yeah, so his, his daughter wrestles. Does she still wrestle for AEW? I think she's in one of the other independent wrestling oh, she's in WoW now, now actually. in the States. Yeah. But um, yeah, but she did debut for AEW. Mm. 
Yeah, so the legacy lives on. And another one of the legacies is, oh, going back to it, Adrian Adonis, which is a feud he had where the, you know, that was his, when he left WWE for the first time. Um, he's responsible for giving that iconic leather jacket that he's sort of famous for wearing later in his career because they were best of friends, apparently. And not only okay. that, when crossing over superstars, a big deal for the WWE was signing UFC fighter Ronda Rousey into the um, into the wrestling, into the professional wrestling game. And when she debuted, like she came out originally as a special, which is what they do in wrestling a lot. I'll bring them in for an event as just somebody to be there. And she got involved, involved in a feud. So she ended up having a match. So she tagged with The Rock, wasn't it, the first time? Against Stephanie and Triple H. And... Yeah, she came out in a tiny little tartan skirt and a leather jacket with a Ronda instead of, with Rousey instead of Rowdy, but in the hot rod font on her t-shirt and a leather jacket looking very reminiscent of Ray Roddy Piper. And it came out later on that that was Roddy's jacket. He gave it to her and he sort of bequeathed the look to her and endorsed her and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and handed over the Rowdy nickname. Yeah, so she was Rowdy, Ronda Rousey and all that sort of stuff. And it's like, that's kind of cool. Like the fact they had this sort of relationship and it's like, that's great. And it carried it on and she looked pretty damn good in the outfit. I'll give her that. Yeah, so so the legacy sort of moves on and it's very in-house, like who he is. Like they live as probably the most mainstream and people who aren't wrestling fans might know who he is through that. But apart from that, he's just sort of very well known inside the wrestling industry but not outside of that. But Yeah, which, which is a shame. Hmm. And, you know, I've got a bit of a Roddy collection going. I've got two of the T-shirts. I just got a pair of shorts, actually, which are hot rod shorts, which looked terrible, but I had to buy them because they sold at me online, and there they were. I had to buy them. I have a John Nada action figure, which is the character from They Live. I've got that. That's a NECA action figure, which has got, like, real denim clothes and everything like that. I have the Mr. T, Roddy Piper, WrestleMania 2 boxing two-pack action figures, which is them in their boxing attire, him in his tartan boxing shorts. I've also got the Mr. T WrestleMania t-shirt to go with my um, Roddy Piper, both pop vinyls. So they're sort of next to each other as well. And I don't have them here. They're in New York at the moment because I haven't got them shipped. But I have bought the WWE has done a deal with Mattel and they bought out the Masters of the WWE, which is He-Man looking figures, but WWE characters. So they've actually got a Roddy Piper and a Mr. T in He-Man looking figures. So I have them waiting, coming my way. So I've got the Roddy Piper turtle as well, don't you? One of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? I do. That's the yeah. final one I've got. Yeah. So it's um, they bought out a WWE Turtles mashup. And the only one I bought was the Roddy Piper. It was Michelangelo in kilt and hot rod t-shirts. So, yeah, I've, I, I think I've got a bit of a Definitely. thing for Roddy mm-hmm. by the look of it. Yeah, I always loved his hair. <laughs> I wanted that hair so bad. I still do. I, I like any hair. You know. When I was a kid, I loved the hot rod t-shirt. And I can remember back in the early 80s, I got myself a Bonds ringer t-shirt and some t-shirt paint. And I actually painted the hot rod logo on a t-shirt myself. Because oh, cool. back then, you just couldn't get wrestling t-shirts here in Australia unless you like ordered them from overseas and they were hideously expensive. But yeah, I, I think I've probably had one official hot rod t-shirt later on when he came back to the WWE. But yeah, back then in the 80s, you know, 87, I think it would have been. I, I was pretty proud of my... Uh, Handmade Roddy T-shirt. I'll say you should be. Well, well, I mean, I was buying, like you said, this, you know, the Preston Market knockoff T-shirts that we got here with NWO and Austin 316. And God, they were terrible quality. Now your knockoffs are actually decent quality, but back then, 
you took what you could get. Yeah. I remember there was a milk and cheese t-shirt I wanted to buy, which is a comic by Evan Dorkin from the comic shop in 1992, 93. And it was 50 bucks back then if I wanted to get it delivered to the comic shop, like to get a t-shirt like that. And I think, um, who's the dude from the Big Bang Theory who was in Roseanne? Pilecki, whatever his name yep. is. Yeah. He had a milk and cheese t-shirt in that epi- in that, that show quite a bit. And I'm like, I want that t-shirt. I love this comic. I want it. But yeah, 50 bucks was way, way, way too expensive for me back in the day. But yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Definitely a bit of a legacy. As we said, he, he did pass away. It was actually in July, 2015 that he died of a heart attack based on hypertension. So high blood pressure. He was only 61 when he died, which is pretty sad when you think about it. it it's not young, yeah. but he still had. He had plenty of life left in him. Yeah. yeah. So one of the other things we didn't mention, and we'll just mention it now as we're getting close to wrapping it up. In the 90s, he did release a UK-only single, which I've tried to dig up online, but I was only able to find the B-side of it, not the actual A-side. But from what I can understand, I think it was a country music single that he released in England for some reason. But one of the yeah, of course. one of the Why other not? things he did was in the early 80s, the WWF put out an album, which was the wrestling album, and he did a song on it called For Everybody. And for years, yeah. when I was younger, I sat there listening to this song going, this is a really good song, but I don't understand what he means by for everybody. And it wasn't until much later that I realized that it's actually a cover of a song by a dude called, I think it's Mike Angelo and the Idols, called Fuck Everybody. And Ronnie <laughs> just decided that, obviously being WWF in those days, and kid-friendly, they couldn't have Roddy swearing. So they changed the fuck to four, and he sang for everybody. And the line where he says, you can kiss my ass, he changes it to, you can kiss my trash. Yeah. But, <laughs> Still a favourite, so I'm going to chuck that on the end of the episode just to be a little bit more of a tribute to the great man of Rowdy, Roddy Piper. But, yeah, I, I think that's probably all we can say about Roddy. I think so. Yeah, that's our episode. We've talked longer than we thought we were going to, but that's always what happens when we get nostalgic about old things. So, yeah. So if you want to jump online, share your favourite moment with the Hot Rod, and you can find us on our Facebook, which is facebook.com slash the Massive Attack Podcast. You can find us on Twitter as the MA Podcast, and our website is themapodcast.podbean.com. And until next time, when we come back with the letter S, thank you very much, Mitch. Thank you. And I will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. 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 <laughs>